Welcome back to the show. Continuing our In The Queue series, today's guest is world number five ranked Sage Erickson. Hailing from one of my favorite hidden gems of a town in all of California, Ojai, it's nestled uh, up in the hills just about 20 minutes up a windy road from Ventura. Sage has had an interesting professional surf career trajectory. She was a highly touted pro amateur at the age of 14, and her competitive career has had more highs than a lot of other competitors with multiple event wins, but it's also had more lows. She's fallen off of tour and requalified three times over the course of her decade on tour. She's publicly attributed those inconsistencies to a lack of focus or a diffused competitive drive. But then, once the spark is lit again, she'll bang out a couple of event wins on the QS and then immediately be back in the top 10 on the CT and each time profess to have a newly stabilized head game. So, with COVID undermining the stability of the WSL events in 2021, Sage was actually the first person that I thought of and wondered, does this instability shake her mental focus? Or is it the exact type of uncertainty that will keep her engaged in the process? So I asked her and she reveals all. So without further ado, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor and here's my conversation with Sage Erickson. Sage. Can you hear me? I can. That is a very green background. Shoot. I don't know. I don't know how to work the background function on Zoom. No, no, I gotta change it. This is for a sh this is we're doing a show tomorrow, and this is what oh. was just on my last Zoom call. So this might be a pickle because I don't know how to change. You're welcome to leave it. I mean it doesn't doesn't affect me in any way. Okay, you're all right looking at green. <laughs> yeah, speaking of a pickle. Uh, I am a true pickle right now. The green, <laughs> choose virtual background. Okay, we got it. We're there back. you go. All right, cool. Okay. Do you want to hype that show for tomorrow? Give it some airtime? Sure. I think it's, um, it's, like, it's a Stab and Oakley-like game show. So um, if you want to chat about it, that's cool. Yeah, tell me. Tell me what do you know? And is it specifically for quarantine while everybody's locked up or Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and then you just are we recording? <laughs> we're live. I'll give you a proper oh, introduction we? in post, but we're live. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, cuz I was like shit. Actually not actually oh, yeah. live. I'm recording, but I'll publish tomorrow. Okay. Cool. Um yeah, it's like it's a cool game show that Stab and um Oakley are doing and they're pretty much just evolving uh some of our Oakley team writers, like me, Philippe, Griffin, Kanoa, um, we're going to be answering some trivia questions and like going up against each other. So it's going to, the winner gets to donate $5,000 to any charity of choice. Um, and pretty much it's whoever knows surfing the best, which I'm feeling a little blonde going into, but you know, <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, I think, first of all, Big news from Oakley, your longtime sponsor, Oakley's uh, reinvesting into the surf space. So that was nice to see. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I've been with Oakley since I'm four, I was 14 and Crazy. I'm 30 now. So it's been a long time. And, um, you know, it, action sports is hard, right? The industries go through a lot of phases, ups and downs and surfing's had a hard time, I think, um, for a few years as far as like sponsorships and um, 
for the tour and just money and whatever. So to, to see Oak League coming back in as a global sponsor is incredible. And I couldn't be happier. You know, it's funny. It's interesting how uh, the nature of sponsorships has changed. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring this up as it relates to you with Outer Known. Um, just the the whole landscape has changed, right? I mean, like surf videos have changed, the way that people promote themselves, contest results aren't even relative to a lot of surfers that make a living off of surfing now with vlogs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Talent actually isn't a main criteria, you know, like there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, the best surfers in the world, Connor O'Leary or somebody like don't have yeah. a sponsor yeah. right now. And then other surfers are making a legitimate living off of YouTube who aren't that talented, but they're super entertaining. So it's, I think it's actually wise for Oakley to not just keep like sponsoring an event just because we've done that for 20 or 30 Mm -hmm. years, but to reevaluate what the nature of the relationship is and provide more value and probably get more value out of it. I definitely agree. I think that, um, a lot of industries I can speak to surfing cause that's what I'm in. Right. So I feel a little bit more not entitled to speak into it, but to, you know, I understand it a little bit more than others, but um, I feel like, yeah, surfing's kind of gone through this identity crisis in a lot of ways because, you know, even for the WSL um, the intention is to make it more mainstream, right. And to get people, you know, more people surfing and to get more eyes on our sport and kind of like elevate it to like a legitimate, um, platform at least where we get viewership and you know normally I think with data the more viewers the more sponsors more sponsors more money the more ability you know you are to be able to have events and tours and whatever have a successful business um and so I think in surfing it's like you know for us to be a mainstream sport we had to go more conservative more commercial more professional maybe that appeals to the everyday person and then I think really what everyone's been seeing is I mean, now the endorsement deals and things are more towards the individual and who they are, not necessarily mm-hmm. just kind of this broad, you know, similarity to everyone else. But I don't know if people say shit or if people have like real videos or YouTubes where they show their personality or it's just there's a realness that's been lacking. And so um, I think that, you know, for Oakley, it's like they've come in and they've identified individuals in their expression, but then at the same time they go like, okay, the heart of a lot of our surfers are competing. Um, and that's a big part of their identity. So we're going to support that. And we're going to support that across, um, a lot of sports, you know? And so I'm glad that they're back, you know, which is great. And on a global level, and, um, especially in a time like now, you know, to be with someone that's committed, it feels nice to have that. That's awesome. I, um, about, kind of growing surfing to a broader audience and making steps towards being more conservative in order to do that. I'm going to propose an argument against that. And you're welcome to take the WSL side if you want, but you don't Uh have to. They certainly are making those. And am I going to get in trouble? No. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't get in trouble. Yeah. My score is going into the first event, depending on what I say, going to be three or eight. (laughs) you just said authenticity matters so i want you to be authentic uh if not for the wsl for your sponsors um so it's clear what the wsl that the wsl has chosen that path which is uh, let's steer towards conservative so that we appeal to a broader audience i would argue that that is a fool's errand and that you'll end up just alienating the core and Mm -hmm. the people, the broad market actually won't even want 
they won't even aspire to be the core anymore. The reason why kids in middle America would buy Billabong or whatever was because of Andy Irons or Quicksilver because of Dane Reynolds. And those guys weren't ever hedging. They were always being themselves, their authentic self. And so I always point to the example of the UFC where 10 years ago, you never would have- Savages. Yeah, you never would have expected that to be mainstream. And the UFC never once wiped the blood off the fighters. They leaned into the brutality of that so much so that their CEO gets up in front of the mic and cusses or he um, calls out a fighter who doesn't bring their A game and stuff like that. And by, by catering towards that kind of core, they've expanded. Now the core is giant, you know? Right. It's interesting. Yeah. No, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, the UFC is brutal. Like, I don't know. I, I've, I've gone through seasons where I've watched it. And then I've gone through seasons where I was like, wait, is this inhumane? Like, how do we, like, how can I look, look, I know it, if I'm sold obviously, because I can convince myself that watching other people harm each other is a sport and there's a practice and there's an art behind it. Um, and whether that's a marketing tool or that's true, it's worked for me. Um, but there's a, and I, but I think though, there is a sense of rawness and there's a sense of uncertainty and there's a sense of, yeah, there's work that goes into it. And then there's this moment where no one knows what's going to happen. You know, it's so intense that at the blink of an eye, something, you know, someone could get knocked out, something crazy can happen. Um, and so I think, yeah, in, in surfing, sometimes if we're leaning more towards a commercial um, audience, it gets pretty boring. You know, you know what, what's going to be said, you know, it's going to be seen, you know, there's going to be a pretty image, you know, um, and that just gets old. Like it's, it's just, that's just normal with anything. You look at the same people doing the same things. It's when something is different, it, it catches your eye. You know, I think that's like instinctual within ourselves or, yeah. um, you know, so I, you know, I hope, I hope that there's more kind of free expression that is portrayed um by wsl you know yeah it's hard because i mean i feel for them in ways too because they're limited um to who will work with them because of of what content is produced um and there's a very fine line in that and so it's like it's a rough it's a rough place like all i can say in my defense is as an athlete i'm treated well and i'm you know my tour on the women's side with equal pay and the respect that we're given in the voice like from them is is heard so you know as an athlete it's a great place um and i'm curious to see you know like with everything pandemic and all this like it's a huge upshift in um everything so i think it's a good time to either move in a different direction or maybe try different things or totally uh, and they and they certainly are and a lot of those kind of the rescheduling the shuffle of the events was set in motion before COVID even. So freaking crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, 2020 first. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how 2020 affected you, your surfing, how you think it's going to affect your career, because in one sense, it's really a rare opportunity to have time to rest and reset when normally you're traveling year round. But in the other sense, it cuts right into prime time of your career, you know, like one of the optimal performing times of your career and you miss a, you miss a year. So do you think that it'll benefit or hinder your competitive career ultimately? It's hard because I think, um, I mean, the pressures of culture, society of age, you know, I, I did turn 30. And so 
you know, I have certain goals that I want to hit before I get to a certain age, because I don't know, for me personally, as a, as a female, like I want to have kids or a family. And, um, that is something in my life that I think that I, I really want, um, with COVID, you know, there was parts of me that I had to ask myself, like, I love being on the road, you know, so much. And I love traveling and I, I'm just used to it. I used to move houses like every year when I was younger, new schools. And so I think it's in my nature to be a mover, um, in some way. And then I tried to do kind of like the stay at home thing. And, um, that was interesting. You know, I, I, there's parts of it that I enjoyed and then I would almost build an anxiousness to go. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of the times I created like a security, uh, kind of zone or blanket for myself. But I think, I don't know. It's just a part of like the, the steps it takes to be able to adapt, like nothing, anything uncomfortable now is comfortable because there is no comfortable, like that's completely different. Um, whether that pertains to surfing or in a heat, because my conditions are always changing. It will be interesting to see if those things that had nothing to do with the water or surfing will affect my performance. So like those things are exciting. So it's given me this new outlook of, um, you know, possibly doing different types of work in myself that will help me compete or perform or, you know, even now respond or react. Like it's kind of like a, a 2020, like I'll see what 2020 did in 2021, hopefully, right. yeah. you know, if, if the tour um, well, in my personal life and my, you know, competitive life. You finished fifth in event number one. So that seems like a strong start, right? Uh, for me, yeah, that's a strong start. <laughs> I mean, that shows that you came in despite having that year off, you came in with a certain level of tenacity. Right. right. Um, and that's what I love, you know, because if there's no excuses there in the sense of I came off one of the hardest years, you know, I've seen or people have seen and I did well. Um, so to me, that's an indication that I did well with the diversity and the change. Um, and so that's affirming, you know, as yeah. a person, like that's a, that's, that's nice. Did, so you ran, you were the first of the four heats that ran at pipe after the event got yeah. moved from Honolulu <laughs> going into that heat against Tati. Did the move to, uh, to pipe feel like a risk or an opportunity for you? Um, I only viewed it as an opportunity you know, the, with the shark attack, like I was in the water that morning. Um, and I actually got the best waves or I surfed the best I've surfed the whole time I was there, those few waves before the shark attack. And so I had, you know, like, even at the moment I had like chills and I thought after, like, after I got good waves in the morning, I thought the chills were from, um, the good wave I surfed, like, okay, this is game day. Like, you know, I could win or I, you know, I, I feel it or the chills could have been because I get them right now, like talking to you, like, it could have been that there was a shark in the water, you know, or yeah. what was going to happen. Like, it's crazy. Like I seriously, my whole body, like, um, that is crazy. And I think, I don't know. I, what I knew in my spirit is that I didn't feel right competing at in Maui in Honolulu, like for the, for the places sake and for the guy that got attacked sake, I was like, you know, I, I put my hand up first in our meeting you know, two hours later being told that, you know, we're, you know, we're probably going to go to pipe one of the scariest waves in the world, the gnarliest waves hardly have ever surfed there. And I put my hand up and I just said, I, you know, I don't feel right going out to Honolulu and, and, you know, seeking for my own victory and me winning when someone, you know, something so tragic just happened. Like this place needs like 
lay to rest in this guy, you know, and um, they deserve the respect that they do. And, um, you know, if I was, if I'm being honest, was <laughs> I freaking nervous as hell to go to pipe? Like, absolutely. Um, but I think in my life, I've always looked at things as I only know what I know. And if nothing presents itself that makes me uncomfortable or out of my control, then I'll never grow. So I'm like, I, I don't really like big waves and I am afraid to be held underwater. Um, and I am afraid of reef but does that say I can't do it? I don't know. Like, you know, I, I wanted to look at it as an opportunity. Um, and especially beginning of the year, I was like, okay, God, like this is a, this is a big learning curve for me, you know, going into the year, if I can tackle something as huge as surfing pipe for the first time on the tour for the women, um, I'm a part of history and I'm pushing myself where I wouldn't. So, um, yeah, I saw it as an opportunity. I would have liked to, to, to surf, you know, not without the shark attack, I, I would have liked to finish that event in Maui in the sense of, yeah. I felt really good surfing wise. Um, and I had good momentum, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. What did you do to prepare for pipe? Every day. So, um, that night I packed up, went to Oahu as soon as I can. We got told like, get over there as fast as we can. We could be competing in the next two days. Like it was very rushed, um, you know, because, our second event wasn't going to be till a month later at sunset. So there was a lot of time intended. Um, I made myself every single day until we surfed, I made myself surf sunset or pipe only two waves. Um, didn't matter the size. It was either there or there. Um, I paddled out to sunset. It was, you know, huge. I paddled out by myself um, and sat in the channel. I gave myself the space. It was like, I don't care if I'm the furthest person in the channel, like however long it takes, like every day that I go out here or every hour that I move closer to a bigger wave or closer to being comfortable, like that's my process. Um, and that's okay. But the first step is me getting out here because I didn't even, you know, parts of me didn't even want to do that. Um, and or pipe, you know, and I, that's what I did every single day. Um, and there was, there was one day a pipe. I didn't, I paddled at sunset, but I didn't paddle at pipe because it was freaking, Krista paddled out and she had Jamie O'Brien and I was like, I can't do it. Like yeah. I can't even Tati did it. And Tati was who I was going to be competing against. And I was like, I just can't like, I, I can die like hundred yeah. percent. I'm looking at waves that I'm like, if that broke in front of me, I could die. And I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't risk it. <laughs> so what do you do moving forward? I mean, there's a real possibility that pipe ends up on the women's schedule and how do you prepare against those fears that you're talking about? Well, I, you know, I think just more time in the location, you know, more time spent out there and, and giving myself the time to get comfortable with it and understand like big wave surfing and surfing pipe. Like there's just things that are, they look impossible. Like when I was out surfing and I was watching Jamie or John or anybody, like the way that the wave breaks, like <laughs> this is impossible to me. I don't know what what line, how to get down this, like I can get down this. Yeah. So like things that were impossible watching these guys, but the more I went out, I understood like, Oh, the way that you lean, like, so if you're on a six foot wave, I know this is so technical and like nerdy, but it's, you know, it's like really cool things. But if you're on a six, eight foot wave, like I'd always lean back. Right. And then you put your nose up and then you overcompensate, you nose dive and you just eat shit or you go over the lip. When I always hear like those things, like you have to commit, like commit, blah, 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 you know, 
And I'm like, you really have to commit because when you're going down a six, eight foot wave, you have to lean forward. So you keep a rail in that wave so that you actually hold a line. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't understand that concept until I was actually out there. And I'm like, who the hell leans forward off a six, eight foot cliff? Like, and then goes, oh, I'm going to like, trust that this is going to happen. The only way that I, I learned that was over time and putting, you know, like being aware and like focus. So I think it's just more time in the water and um, yeah, allowing that space and just <laughs> understanding that things that look impossible aren't, but there is a formula. Um, so who taught you that formula? Who told you exactly what you just told me? Um, that was kind of, that was like self-observant. Oh, okay. Well, I was yeah. going to ask. I mean, my mind was so blown. I, I have amazing people that help me, but as far as like that realization, that was just, that was like, that was an experience thing. Um, Carissa, you said was working with Jamie and obviously Tati yeah. was working with Ross that event. Do you mm-hmm. have a coach throughout the rest of the year? Do you rely on specific people at yeah. specific stops? I mean, I'm, I have like amazing I have amazing people of like, that are like family and friends, like not, I mean, they are friends. They're like brothers and, um, coaches, but, uh, in the past, Tommy Whitaker, he's been my coach for like four or five years. He's from Australia. Like he's been with Oakley, um, since I have been, and he was on tour. And so he's helped. And then as of like, uh, a year and a half ago, Jimmy Hogan, he's like this old school, like core, core surfer originally from California. Um, he's just like a, he's a bulldog. Like he just, he loves to compete, eat, eat, breathe, sleep, surf. Um, and I think I have an appetite always for different, different ways to go about something or different ways to see something. And so, you know, some people could be like, oh, well, it's unloyal to just to not stay with one person. Um, and to me, I think that lacks seeing or being introduced to a new perspective. Um, if that makes sense. It does. Of course. It does, yeah. You know, so, so I love looking at it that way. It's not that I'm using someone else and not being loyal to the other. It's like, I'm a, I'm a like high level competitor. So it's like the more information that I can get or, or eyes, um, the better. And even like Nathaniel Kern, he's been like my best guy friend since I was 15. Um, and he knows me so well as a person that even to have him help me was like, he could take care of the emotional insecurities I would have of like, understanding, you know, I'm not comfortable and how to respond in that way. So, um, I mean, I didn't have a local, you know, Krista, <laughs> Krista does well. She hires every local at pretty much every location. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes I think that's a huge advantage. And I think some of us girls feel that too. And we're not in a place to be able to do that, <laughs> whether it's, you know, financially or whatever. So does Jimmy, uh, travel with you? Jimmy's the man. Um, Jimmy, yeah, he he traveled uh, to, with or to Australia with me last year, um, and then he came, we did he came to Hawaii and did some coaching, um, a few events. I think he had some things on. He's the head coach for the Olympic uh, Costa Rican team, so he's pretty busy too. Yeah, but that's kind of something too. I get a little overwhelmed at events. So I kind of get into like a spiritual kind of place. And so I've, I'm finding as I get older, I really like the time coaching spent outside of the window. And then I like to be in my own kind of system during gotcha. the So, gotcha. um, but we talk all the time. He runs me through like <laughs> game plans and 
he loves to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I presume that you were looking forward to both Snapper and Bells. Yeah. Do you think that this reshuffling of the schedule benefits or threatens you in your chances? Benefit. Does Easily. it? Yeah. Like I, I just, I won the QS twice. Like I've fallen off tour. I'm one of the only surfers that has taken a year to get right back on three times. And these waves are in QS condition, QS conditions. Um, I do great in beach breaks. Uh, I love unpredictability and crappy conditions and, you know, so um, I think it really helps me (laughs) honestly. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I was having this conversation with somebody and I didn't mention names, but I said that exact thing. I was like, you know, who's going to do well is whoever has proven at QS kind of yeah. level waves, but with CT level competitive mm-hmm. savvy, like that'll bridge right. the gap, you know, because I don't know some of the, some of the, on the male side, like Jack Robinson, I was really looking at him for sunset and G land and that yeah. stuff. And now it's like, oh shoot, how, how is this going right. to affect him? Right. Yeah. I think everyone's fantasy teams are going to look a lot different than probably what originally, just like you're saying for sure. Totally. So what about, so if Chopu (laughs) runs and it's pumping eight feet, do you, do you view that as an opportunity or a risk? Because it's the the opposite of what you just said. Exactly. And so that's like, for me, it's like, everything's an opportunity because like, you know, in my career, it's time, like, to push myself even more, you know, like, and it, it's my job, like as crazy as it is to watch the highlight reels of people eating shit and people getting work, like that, that's supposed to be me too, you know, like <laughs> that's my job. Um, so am I going to be, you know, scared as, as hell? Like probably do I have time to prepare? Yes. Um, is that my first choice of having a left on tour? No. <laughs> Would I like a wave that I can just turn and rip. Yeah. But you know, what do I do? I, yeah, those are things out of my control, but it's my job to like show up and, um, do the best that I can. Like, can I get the other thing is it's for me. I always think about my brother would always tell me like, you can get the best shot of your life. Like you've got, totally. you've got, um, not security water patrol. You've got every camera on you. Like if you're going to go for it, um, now's the time to go for it. So I always think that in the back of my head, like, Oh, I want the big photo of me at Chopu, like a crazy wave in a jersey, like when I'm all grandma looking back. And yeah. Uh, um, you can get the best wave of your life too out there, just period. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned kind of the ebbs and flows of your competitive career, falling off to her a couple of times, of but then also coming back and winning events almost immediately thereafter. And I feel like you really have reinvented your surfing. Almost each time. Yeah, you're welcome. What do you attribute that inconsistency to? And then how do you kind of mitigate against the inconsistencies? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a big question. I, not that I get jaded in, un, 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 er, in different areas. I, I don't know. I fall in love with different things along the way. Like, so it's hard for me. I, I, I wasn't engraved to just compete or to think about competing. I don't. Like, and that's a battle I've had with myself. Like there's a lot of me that is dependent on it because I love it so much. And, um, I appreciate the work that goes into it, but there's a part where I don't go to bed thinking about, you know, winning or beating girls or like, it's just naturally not there. So 
I think there's inconsistencies because I focus on different things um, or I'm not as excited about competing or, you know, um, I mean, even my talent development has taken a long time for me to truly feel um, confident in my talent that, you know, I do have enough talent um, as the top girls. And I think, you know, that was kind of a battle. And then I think I, I don't know, I do well with a little bit of fight back. I'm used to it kind of in my life. So it's like when I have the pressure of the fight back, I perform um, and I perform under pressure. So when I'm kind of like, not lazy, cause I don't think I'm a lazy person, but when I'm, when I'm fired up or there's, yeah, there's pressure, I, I, I do better, but it's a, it's a fine line, right? Because then I put myself in these pressure situations that are uncomfortable and intense instead of just be consistent. Um, I think I am now though. I think that's hmm. what the difference is. I truly believe in myself and in the time it's taken to feel what I feel in my mind and confident. And then I do trust my ability and I do trust the development process of technique and positions being hit and like actually breaking those things down yeah. before I just go out and surf. And, um, I think I've also always had, um, a will to be better. I just naturally have that. Like, what can I change? What can I do? Like I, I don't make, I don't let myself feel victim to my circumstance and in, in a way of like, I can only control what I can and what, it, and what I can't, how can I be better or how can I adapt or I can watch someone and not be, like, I don't, I'm not a jealous person. So I can look at someone and be like truly thankful for their example. Cause I myself, I don't feel like I'm a pioneer. Like I don't like being the first. Um, and so I like references. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I just watch. And- in the years where maybe you weren't having the best competitive year, maybe 2018 or something, are you, are you less happy? <laughs> <laughs> are you less happy when you're losing? happy. I don't think I ever lose my joy. You know, I don't think I lose my joy and as a person, um, do I get disappointed or discouraged or, or down? Sure. Yeah. Like, um, I try and maintain a happy physique because I know that that should tell the inside that I'm happy and therefore, but yeah, like it's that losing sucks. Like, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that will ever change. Like, I, I think I don't take it as personal now. Um, and I think that's a testament to anything in life is a lot of times what happens or other people's actions isn't, doesn't have anything to do with you. Doesn't it, it has everything to do with them. Yeah, you know, of so I think well, that's, a, that's a big thing. The reason I ask is um, I question the happiness of the people who actually are winning at all costs, you know? And they're just so tenacious and you have to like sacrifice relationships and time. And, mm-hmm. and I think maybe the ends justify the means and it's worth it. But I do question, like, is that a healthy disposition and headspace to live in for years on end? Whereas yeah. the way that you're, your post, yeah, your post career is going to be really freaking hard. Or you just have to figure out how to shift into a different lifestyle, but kind of the way that you're explaining your disposition, it makes, it actually sounds like a healthier headspace period. And so if you can have a good career and be happy throughout all of it, that's, that's kind of a more complete existence. Do you you know know? me? No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening. I'm a listener. I listen to what you say. So great. Yeah. I mean, that's my whole thing. I think that's why I've limited pushing myself in areas because you know, the result isn't, 
isn't ultimately what makes or defines me, you know, and a part of that is because I, not that I would rather live like have subpar results and live a happy life, but you know, sometimes it is (laughs) like, sometimes I do want to enjoy the people that I travel with and I do want to experience the places I go and I do want to have fun and I do want to surf more than I should before event day. And I do not like, I'm really free in that way. Um, and because those relationships, I really do emphasize like post-career and like, you know, those bonds and things that I'll make, I'll have for the rest of my life. Like this is only a, sh- a little part of my life. Totally. Um, and to, to be number one, like you do, just like you said, you sacrifice family time, relationships, boyfriends, you know, like all of those things. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to do that. So I, I think you're right on like, um, I, I, I don't know the best of the best, what their true like joy looks like and if that's like compromised but i know being an athlete it's fucking hard like you know yeah well you've got good years ahead of you in terms of competitively and do you think that you can figure out how to do both things to win a world title and still maintain a healthy headspace absolutely i think i definitely think um Sometimes I ask, I'm like, do I want to be world, like world champ? I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can see myself world champ as like gnarly as that is, you know, um, because of what it takes, like top three, like I'd be stoked with top three. Like, isn't that so, sad? Like people would be like, why would you limit yourself like that? Like, but well, I, there's parts of me that I'm just not realistic, but I, I don't know. I, I think about the two people who defy everything that I just said that I could think of off the top of my head are Steph Gilmore. She seems to have figured it out. And I don't know if her initial world titles, she might've been more dogged in those initial world titles and then figured out kind of how to live in a, a healthier space afterwards. But then John, John Florence also, I feel like won two titles and then realized he had to be like a dogged competitor with the Zeke Lau incident and Bells maybe oh, being yeah. the jumping off point. But John just won on sheer talent mm-hmm. and I don't know what. Um yeah. and now and now moving forward with Gabriel and Idolo and guys, he's gonna have to find that uh next year of competitive savvy to really go head to head with those guys. Yeah. But but both of them seem to have figured out the equation that we're talking about, I think. Yeah, I, I think you just have to be creative, like you know, with who you travel with, where you spend your time, what you enjoy doing, what your priorities are, like you're focused, but it's not very singular. You know, there's a lot of context around and it's making sure there's boundaries put in place. You know, people always want to hang out. People always want to expect something from you. Sponsors have obligations. People, it's just like, it's a never ending, like you're always getting pulled from, you know, your focus. Um, so I think just being strong and like, your, you know, my boundaries of what I'm able to do and whatnot and what requirements and then just prioritizing like every day, what is a priority? So, you know, my focus is on competing in the tour right now. So it's like every, the, those checklists come first before anything else. Um, and the emotional, whatever <laughs> sounds like not self-centered, but it's like, I'm not responsible for anyone else's emotions of what you know, I'm doing because I know, but I also know that I check myself, like I'm not being rude or I'm not being a bad person in the sense of like lying, cheating, stealing, like I'm not doing those things. So whatever, however someone else feels around me or what that looks like, it's 
not to say it's not about them, but it, it's what it's not about them. <laughs> you could be better to them if you're being good to yourself too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, congrats on the outer known deal. Thank you. Isn't it pretty? It is. Well, even having a main sponsor is a rarity these days. So it's, <laughs> it's no small feat. Yeah. Um, how, so what do they expect of you and what do you expect of them? They're the best. I love them so much. Um, they expect me to be me. They expect me to, um, do the things that I love, do it honestly. They, um, expect me to, um, give the earth respect, give people respect. They, you know, um, they're wonderful company. The CEO Walker, John Moore, you know, head designer. I don't even know John Moore's designer. I mean, he's half co-founder with Kelly, but, um, their team's just amazing. They're, they're really holistic in the sense of like, they really do care about the planet and they care about the future. Um, and they care about the heart of people. And a lot of times that's connected to something on this earth. Right. And, um, I mean, they kind of just give me free will, <laughs> which is, I always felt like that's how it's supposed to be. Um, a lot of companies preach that and they don't do that. You know, you live under a slogan, you live under a narrative, you live under a summary, your bio of, you know, what's kind of created and they don't, they don't limit me in that space. Um, they're actually, they teach me a lot too, you know, um, circularity, materials, fabrics, uses, it's, it's crazy. I had no idea, you know, cause I, that's my whole thing with, with them is I didn't come in as like some sustainable God, right. um, even in the textile industry. Like I didn't know that much. Um, I knew how to care for, you know, what I can do to make a difference or a change, but I didn't know what exactly that looked like. Um, and I think, yeah, I think what I expect out of them is, is just the same that they expect out of me. Um, and they're really collaborative. Like a lot of companies say, oh, you're going to come in, like, welcome to the family, you know, like family, this family, that, and, um, you're not really included in areas or you are until you're not needed. Um, and I mean, I can sit in on the company meetings with them and listen to their numbers. I can listen to their strategy. I can listen to places that they're having a hard time in, you know, like, um, so that's cool. And I mean, I just am so honored. It's Kelly's company, you know, Kelly Slater, the best of all time, you know, took interest in me as whether a surfer or a person. And, um, you know, I've, I've listened to a few podcasts of him besides the interactions that I've had in my career with him. And like, he's incredible, you know, like so multidimensional, so amazing. So actually like really caring. Um, and it just feels good to be a part of it. <laughs> you know, why, why do you think they picked you? No, no. God is good to me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. I work hard and I try and put my best foot forward and I, um, try and problem solve and I care and I, I don't know. I love people. I love the earth. I love, I don't know. I just, it's a good, I think it's a good fit. It was a good pick. I didn't see it coming. And when I saw it, I thought it was a perfect uh, alignment, perfect partnership. Um, do, uh, are they going to be disappointed when they hear what you said about you maybe not seeing yourself winning a world title? <laughs> I don't know. Walker, CEO, Kelly, like maybe. Um, I mean, ultimately I mean, the question, 
right that, that's the thing I'm like I can only be what I can be like in the sense of say the truth like I'm not saying that I won't get that vision but I just like that's what I want like I, I mean yeah I but hear what I what, what I mean to say is do they care if you're on tour or not and then secondly you said what the reason why they worked with you initially or what they expect out of you is for you to be authentic. And you saying that is a very authentic thing. So that fits goal number one, but is goal number two for you to win a world for them to expect you to win a world title, you know? Yeah, no. So that, that was the big thing is, um, when I had the conversation with Walker, Mark Walker, he's the CEO. I think I've said that like five times. (laughs) (laughs) You probably caught on to that. But when I had the conversation with him, we had a two hour conversation and just hit it off, like from the start. And he, you know, in all honesty, he was like, Sage, I didn't want another surfer. We had no intention to hire another surfer. We don't need one. We've got Kelly, you know, we don't, I'm not looking for someone to meet requirements in their few posts and this, like, you know, I wanted someone that is going to be involved in the brand and the development process of, um, the women's line and the marketing and, um, sustainability, like multidimensional. Um, and we sit on the phone and we just like totally connected. And like the next day I had a contract presented. Um, and for me, that was like, that was so cool to hear because it's, I, my contract's not dependent on a world title or, or surfing in general. So that's freeing for my heart to, you know, because my heart's in, in competitive surfing right now, but I don't know where it will be. Um, in a few years coming, but I know that they'll, they'll still, you know, be behind me and supportive. And, um, it's so nice, you know, like yeah. company sponsorships are so controlled. I totally. can't tell you like enough, um, about that. So it feels, yeah, so it feels like a healthier, let- it feels like a healthier partnership that allows you to kind of, it relieves a lot of the stress that maybe you might have for trying to honor an obligation in another situation. Right. And you know what, to be honest, like that was something, because if I was to look at myself six years ago and I have two sponsors freestyle, who's been with me since I was 14 in Oakley and channel islands. And like, I barely had enough money. Um, Ronnie Nelson at Oakley at the time, he was the one that gave me the contract that actually could keep me doing the qualifying series is like, I never wanted to be back with a brand that didn't actually believe in me. You know, I, I, I would rather be sponsorless and work where I needed to, to make up my money or whatever, than than live a lie. You know, yeah. I was, I was over it. So I feel like across the board, you know, the people I represent or that sponsor me, they don't care that I'm on tour, good. you know, sure. Yeah. It's nice, but I don't think they care. Good. I got um, the good Instagram people. I know. So in preparation for this, uh, I was on the WSL's website and they have you listed, obviously, as they do with all the athletes, it said following 12K. Is that you? It has- I follow 12 people? No, 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 no. It says, I thought that it was saying that your following on social media is only 12,000, which is either a typo or they're maybe talking about how many people follow you on their website. It's like 340,000, not 12,000. I know. It was confusing. I'll, I'll let send, them all of them know. <laughs> yeah, I'll send an email to them and get them to update that. 12,000. I mean, that's cool too. They must be great 12,000. <laughs> um, so you just mentioned Channel Islands. What are you riding at Newcastle? Ooh, I kind of went a little bit more. Um, well, actually, I got a two happy in there, which is the newest model. Um, I kind of went back two years ago to my old models, like a fever. 
Um, because it's a beach break, I'm riding like a swallowtail flyer, epoxy probably, which is my US Open board um, that I won on. Um, is it the exact same board? Bars, I have that exact same board. Okay, but that's not it. That's been here for two years. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, I mean, that's here. That's going to be, I am going to ride that board, but that board has actually been stuck in Australia for two years. Oh my God. Um, since last year. So I haven't ridden that. And so um, that will definitely be taken out. And yeah, so DFR, Fever, Flyer, Swallowtail, and then the Too Happy, their newest model. I couldn't stand the Happy. I love you guys, Channel Islands. You're the bomb. Couldn't stand the original Happy. The Too Happy is incredible. I can't actually get off it. Um, all conditions, just fast, responsive. Um, I would say I'm doing some of my best surfing on that board. Can you explain the design difference between the happy and the too happy? Or should I should I rely on Britt Merrick for that? Yeah, I'd say Britt. <laughs> when are you okay. doing podcast? Yeah, no, he'll he'll get all nerdy and, and technical. Um, I trust them to do what they do. And then I just I just am the salesperson yep. that makes it yep. look nice. <laughs> yep. Winning events on it. Um, yes. what day are we in of quarantine? Is this day nine? Mm-hmm. How's it going? <laughs> Um, it's good. I've had a lot of meetings today, which has been nice, um, to kind of, yeah, get through it faster. I loved up till day five. I was like in heaven. I was like, I could be in here forever. Like this is so nice. Like I can, you know, my environment's controlled somewhat. My apartment's like really nice. And then day six hit me. And I would say either day six or day seven were probably the worst days. I just was like super unmotivated and, um, you know, it's like other surfers and things are posting like super funny videos and content. And, um, there's kind of a pressure to produce content in here. And there's like parts of me that I was like, Oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And I'm like, I don't want to though. Like, you know, um, why does it make a difference? Like my quarantine experience can be different than someone else's. Like, I don't have to be workloading and like being busy. I'm like actually okay. Being relaxed and calm and like cruisy. Um, and so I had talked to Tommy Witz and he just said, like, if you're having an off day, just have an off day. Don't try and fill things in because a little bit of guilt the next day is good to work off of. Like you'll fire up even more. So like, you know, I ordered nachos in bed, <laughs> extra nacho cheese and, you know, um, so I lived it up and then it was, it was true. I was like even more productive. So, um, it's good. I mean, we're freaking spoiled in here. Like, you know, the other Australians that had to come to quarantine before all of us on this charter flight, like they didn't get gift packages or one bedroom apartments or, you know, I had to pay for my upgrade. But at the same time, like I had a treadmill, I have a bike. I have like, I have no excuse to be that unhappy in here. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, how are you utilizing the time to prepare for the next leg of the tour? Reading, writing, um, working out, pretty consistent diet. Um, I continued, like a lot of people have been sleeping in to try and like sleep through quarantine. I've been up at five or four 30 every day. Cause I want to maintain, um, that's that similar time schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm super productive in mornings. So, um, that's a big thing. Um, but yeah, mainly just that nothing, nothing too intense. We had, a an Olympian athlete come on our, our surfers call with WSL yesterday. And, um, she talked about, uh, just how her experience was in post and getting out of quarantine and 
and actually feeling really overwhelmed by the world stimulation and so many things going on to just like kind of ease into the next couple couple days when I get out and don't try and fill up a schedule and feel counter. I don't know if it's an athlete thing or a human thing, but you just want to like be super productive because that makes you feel like you're doing something and sometimes it's not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it just gives you anxiety too. Exactly. Get and I frazzled. feel like every, you know, there's so much anxiousness, yeah. you know, all the time. So. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to chat. I know you got a bunch of Zoom calls, but um, we'll be looking forward forward to seeing you in Newcastle. And yeah. Antis- anticipating a win. Yeah. Heat three. Me, Chris, and Philippa Anderson. How does that feel? I'm feeling good. I'm, okay. you know, I'm excited. Good. Well, we're excited. Thank we're so excited much. to watch. Of course. All right. Best of luck. Hey, thank you. Amazing. Thank you, Sage, for such candor. And uh, you can find everything that we discussed on surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a YouTube video of this conversation as well. That's on YouTube. I've also cut it into a couple of smaller portions. So just go on YouTube and search for Surf Splendor and you can see us chatting there and more to come from these quarantine conversations. I also just finished a chat with Connor O'Leary. So I will publish that in the next day or two. And then, of course, uh, Scott Bass and I published an episode of Spit this week. So go grab that. And then Chaz Smith and I will be connecting over on The Grit to discuss everything between the headlines from BeachGrit.com. So that is all for now. I hope that you are getting waves wherever you are at in the world. And until our next show, this is, of course, David Scales for Surf Splendor, reminding you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred up. And I was here so